I'm really interested in how we can use culture, mass culture, but also very niche, specific culture and bring that into the world. My name is Amal Tabaku, and welcome to ARCAD Initiative Podcast, Interviews with Political Artists, a series designed to inspire and encourage art activist processes and plays to catalyze social change. On today's episode, we're talking about global connectedness. The economic, political, and social climate of our cities is constantly shifting, especially during times of pandemic and social isolation where as a result, our understanding of the constructs of the self are being challenged. Our times are asking us to become more than ever aware of things and those around us. But the question remains, how can, on a broader level, music, fashion, or art bring together communities and total strangers to respond to an increasingly global culture as we embrace our differences and celebrate each other? To elaborate on the relationship between community-engaged art and global connectedness, and to share a personal story, I'm thrilled to be joined by London, UK-based, trained architect, painter, and mural artist Karima Hassan. Born in Wales with Yemeni and Bangladeshi heritage, Karima has an expressive, bold aesthetic and is heralded for taking stories of community gatekeepers full circle. Karima creates live paintings at performance events across London and New York in order to highlight the importance of communities in the city. She creates her works from the studio to the streets to the canvas. It moves between these spaces, questioning the delineation between street art, fine art, and community art. The journey of each piece and the audience it connects to is as fascinating as the art itself. Karima is currently an artist-in-residence at Sarah Bond Foundation in London, UK. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your community. We want this podcast to be a resource and a platform for collaboration, so please send us your questions or any other topic ideas for upcoming episodes. You can interact with us on Instagram at Arcad Initiative. You can also find Karima on Instagram at karima.hassan or learn more about her practice on our website at karimahassan.com. Yeah, so I do want to thank you for just coming out and joining us on the second episode podcast. It's a pleasure. But I do want to share a little bit about for our podcast listeners who probably are wondering how everything has come about in terms of like us connecting with an artist who's based in London or how we met, um, which was back in 2019 um, at this little masjid. I don't know if you remember on Dundas and that I came to know about your art practice. I knew that you were doing an art residency here in Toronto. So I'm just so curious to know what has happened since then, like in terms of your artistic practice, where you currently are based and yeah, how you've been over the past two years, especially. Gosh, yeah. 2019 sounds like um, a totally different chapter in life. And since then, some really great things have come about as well. Some really great opportunities. Um, I kind of have found support in my art practice which has been really great so before that it was it was very much like a lone project of trying to find a way to support myself and to almost cross that bridge into the art world 
and since then I've kind of had some really great opportunities in, in terms of just paid financial commissions and the studio support that I'm in right now which is the Alexander McQueen Foundation which has been really helpful just to provide a safe space to create from because I think a lot of your listeners will understand that when you're potentially following a passion that transition between following it as a passion make it into a livelihood it's you have to kind of straddle both categories until you can kind of fully make the transition so I think when I met you I was just making that transition and uh, now I feel fully in it which is really lovely I'm based in London and a lot of my communities and the people that I serve and that serve me are uh, based here as well so it's really it's a fun place to be Mm -hmm, for sure and definitely in terms of just transitioning from making art as a passion into living that's something that I myself am exploring and struggling in um, mm. doing my thesis at Oka University and it's something that I've always thought about. It's like how can we make the transition much more smooth for, for emerging youth artists. Can you speak a little bit about what you find important to convey within your artwork, Rima, um, in terms of the ideas or philosophies you're currently exploring and has there been much mm. of a shift uh, from these themes that you were exploring back in 2019 or have you remained true to those philosophies and you just have kept building on them yeah it's um it's quite a personal thing like when you create it's even if you don't intend it to be it's always often a reflection of what you're thinking about and where your values are at that time and so to change a painting series or a media or a subject is usually reflective of what's going on internally as well and it's almost like wearing your heart on your sleeve and quite um vulnerable way because maybe your beliefs change and shift and maybe what you value is sharing as your message will change and that's a scary thing but I think that's part of the reason why artists are required is to make it okay to share vulnerably so when back in 2019 what was on my heart and mind then was about sharing how the Muslim filter of uh, I was kind of just like shining a light on community gatekeepers and especially in the Muslim world almost like Muslim millennials that I thought are paving their way for future generations and that's whilst that topic is very much still I'm passionate about and is on my heart I'm kind of coming at it now from more of a lens of it's not just about Islam and it's not just about Gen Z or millennials but it's more about building that new earth together so the thread that I was interested back then was about how you know communities can help us connect people and how when you have those certain pioneers, it helps you to take space and to claim space. And so whilst I still am passionate about that, now it's more about, well, that it's more, what's more important to me is that thread of kind of peace and activism and hope that goes beyond those labels of how we categorize ourselves. It's still, I still think it's really important to have labels that you can fix your identity to, but it's also about going above those labels. And so part of me sometimes is, shy or nervous even by speaking about previous projects or previous ways of thinking because I think gosh I was so naive but I'm sure I'll probably say the same in 10 years time about where I'm at now and to to carry on creating even though you know that what you're thinking is not fully formed is scary but I think I need to take that step anyway it's just who I am I need to find out about life through creating 
That's such a lovely point. Just the idea of like art growing as you're chasing your own personal growth. Yeah. Not only professional development, but just knowledge seeking, right? And how that for sure translating within your arts practice. And I think, and I think it's tricky for our generation because we have grown up on it's a double-edged sword because we can create and share our work more easily through social media and through the quickness of the internet. It also means that we share so quickly before our interior world is fully formed that it can be naive and, and then, but it's set in stone. And so it's almost like, obviously, I, th I think the whole cancel culture will will evolve out of that pretty quickly, actually, because we'll see that we need to be given second chances and we need to evolve. But it's still scary because when you're a millennial creating, it's like you your output is there set in stone. And, and that can be a scary thing it can be quite daunting because you don't want to start because you're thinking maybe it's not perfect or I'm not there or I'm not ready. So I think I've given myself that license of being, of saying it's okay, it's going to change, I'm going to change, is going to change. It's kind of liberating and I've just got to remind myself of that sometimes. Mm, for sure, yeah. Your work is really beautiful and complex, um, especially because it is so collaborative and it's kind of aspects of community building and community engagement. I'm just thinking of your pandemic long project, I'm going to call it mm. The Strangest Yearbook. Um, yeah. And yeah, just in admiration of the place-based arts practice that you've introduced and what you recently, in turn, sorry, DIY community gatekeepers. But I'm just wondering mm. if you can walk us a little bit through the thinking and the planning that went behind this project. The Strangest Yearbook, I kind of see as like an offshoot of my practice where I didn't intend for it to happen as it did, but embeds so much of my values about true meaningful connection. And so I don't, didn't necessarily think it would turn out visually as how I expected, but the idea behind The Strangers Your Book was when the pandemic hit, I wanted to reach out to family and friends and just ask them how they were feeling. And I think going back just to being a child, like I always, I often show love through words or through just gifting pictures or, drawing so it was kind of my way of within my capacity of checking in with loved ones and people that I knew who helped communities who were the facilitators checking in with them so I'd say tell me how you're feeling honestly and I'll paint a selfie of you in lockdown in return and there was something really nice about kind of there was no nothing else from that transaction apart from just an honest response uh, I, mean, I wasn't asking to be paid I, was, I wasn't promising to send them anything in return but it was just like this level of trust of they trusted me with an honest response and, and I gave them my time by actually taking in the, the picture that they were sending in their words and and I would share it on real time on, on Instagram like almost daily so I was almost painting a, a portrait a day of people and within about a month, I was getting strangers from around the world sending selfies because if you told your friend, that would therefore be a stranger to me, but they might be in a different place around the world. And there is something to be said about when someone is a stranger, you can be vulnerable and be honest. It's almost like a confession booth. And there were times for sure when I was losing momentum and my style of painting and sketching during that project was changing and I was thinking oh gosh I can't share this or I don't like this one but the intention when I went into it was very much yes I will give people a painting 
But what I get from retu in return is the ability to practice. And so I promised myself I'll keep on sharing and I'll keep on painting every day just as a way to get better and a way to stretch my practice because I didn't feel comfortable painting portraits or on that small scale. It's worth mentioning that because of lockdown, everything was closed. My, I was painting from a very, very small bedroom in an A5 sketchbook. So it was just about painting within the means. So that's just kind of to be said why I started that project. And I loved how I was getting poetry from anonymous, like people that were so heartfelt that you wouldn't expect it from, or stories of grief or running away or cancer or losing a friend or finding love or just exhaustion or happiness. All of these really, really true stories. And I, it reminded me of, oh, wow, this is actually my, my purpose because when I did a painting a day, I felt really on top of my life. Like I felt like, okay, I've done the thing I need to do. And when I wasn't doing it, I felt like I was somehow betraying who I was. And it, it sounds so silly, like something so small, like doing a painting can make you feel on your purpose. But for me, that's what it is. And so towards the end of last year, so 2020, um, then the as we came out of uh, maybe a second lockdown in, in the UK, I had the opportunity to put all of the paintings on display in real life as an exhibition and then display them in like kind of giant billboards around London too. And that was so special because again, I just knew it was an inflow project because when we had the exhibition, I was getting friends of friends or people from around the world who were just accidentally walking into the space and saying, oh, that's that's my sister, or oh, that's the person I work with, or I was having the strangers actually come into the space, and as soon as I saw them, I knew them by their name, and they cried, and I cried, and I was just, it's crazy, how can a painting do this? But it's not the painting that made us cry, it was the intention that I knew their name, they knew my name, I knew their story, and I held it and I was trusted with that. And so that's really special. And so I want to keep it up and I am keeping it up. But again, just to be totally honest, it's hard. Like it's hard maintaining momentum sometimes and it's hard maintaining the output side of it. As in for me, that's sometimes where I struggle is like sharing. I'm fine with the creating, but it's the sharing and the marketing and the output of it that is the work for me as a freelance artist. But it's carrying on, it's still going, and I'm still getting responses, and I'm in talk with doing it on like large-scale buildings across London, so yeah, it's, it's really exciting, actually. Oh, that's awesome. And you talked a bit about, the, you know, receiving these stories, especially from a place of vulnerability. So I'm just wondering how you felt, kind of as the artist, how you were able to navigate all of these emotional stories that you're receiving, how that made you feel if at times you felt like it was a bit too much um, to even carry forward with a project or um, be a part of all of these discussions that you just didn't know how, um, yeah, how they would go. Yeah, thank you for asking that. It definitely did, actually. Luckily, I'm at a point now where I've developed so many tools in my kit in terms of releasing energy and energy clearing. And I pray, I meditate, I dance, I go for walks in nature, I look after myself. I am very self-aware, but even then, it's I'm so empathetic that sometimes I'll read a story and it does get, I do absorb it. And so it can get heavy when I forget to either intentionally open up the, the person's story and listen but not absorb it or if it just it does happen and then it does get heavy and I think that's why it was just kind of limiting it to one a day or so but after the exhibition 
it took it out of me and for about two weeks afterwards I was exhausted and I was so surprised but it was because it was like the culmination of people telling me stories in real life as well mm. and I think definitely going forward there's something to be said almost like an element of therapy in a way of like listening and so I've kind of reached out to some people and I think it's something that I need to do too is just to make sure that I'm clearing myself and not promising anything beyond my role as an artist but I think part of the reason I am able to look at someone's selfie and words and then straight away kind of get an impression of them is that I am so sensitive. I think I couldn't have done this project three years ago basically like I couldn't have done this project when I wasn't ready because I would have taken on too much but luckily now I am better at observing when I am getting caught up in someone else's stuff and bringing myself back into my body and my emotions yeah it's worthy of being noted mm, for sure yeah. yeah I feel like at times you know a lot of talks about emotional labor especially within mm. this uh, arts practice you know you're delving into your own identity if you're trying to unpack your own emotions even not necessarily conversations with others um, so I just wanted to highlight that uh, but yeah in terms of your processes and place Karima um, would you say that they have been deliberate perhaps the way you've been painting or has it been very intuitive or experimental because I know that you've shared a little bit about wanting to stretch beyond and explore portraiture mm. and uh, painting portraits yeah it's been interesting because actually portraiture is not the thing that so I started off painting figurative painting dancers and before that landscapes and figure and landscape well the figure mainly is is more closer to my heart than than portraiture portraiture was only to to stretch me in something uncomfortable and i started off painting dancers and people in in like open mic nights at their community events so for me what was always really important as is still very important in my practice is the life drawing aspect and about drawing from life and drawing very quickly intuitively with charcoal and then working that up into a painting but it's about do I have the skill set the ability and the clear channel to draw something truly in 15 seconds and then scale it up I think is really important to me then the medium is a different question like the, the medium you know whether it's painting charcoal lino print they lend themselves to like a different state of mind when i'm doing lino print it's more cathartic and therapeutic whereas when i'm doing painting it's more it takes it out of me and it demands more but the actual subject matter one thing that is new that i am starting to delve into that i think is definitely going to flourish is incorporating words into my artwork again sharing words was quite a vulnerable thing for me because there's no hiding behind it like when you share a painting or an artwork there's still a layer of ambiguity but when you share words there really is you're claiming that you feel that way or that you viewed something that way and there's less hiding but again i think that's where i'm at right now is i'm ready to say no i feel this way and i i stand up for this thing and so by putting the words into my prints and paintings and alongside it I think it's just like another level of maturing into um, my voice. And I think that's something else to be said potentially for your audience is that that concept of claiming your voice is so hard. We met in a masjid in Toronto and it's like, I think especially from the cultures that we come from and even like our racial or religious profiles, voicing your opinion can be dangerous actually. Not even scary, but it can be a dangerous thing to voice your opinion. 
and to voice how you feel. And so then if you think about the context of sharing words, it means so much more than just, oh, it's she's just going through a different style. She's sharing words. It's like, no, 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 no. That's rooted to a, overcoming a danger and saying, I'm willing to my share, share my words and share my voice, even if it means that, God forbid, something dangerous happens to me. You know, and I think that's that's a level of which we need to start looking at art and trying to understand the context behind the thing and not just the face value. Again, like going back to social media, it's easy to see, oh, a photographer is just taking a photo and this you view it as one thing. But if you take the time to see the context of which that photographer shot that image, then you'll see what they risked to do it and it'll make you value their courage and their heart and their bravery more. Yeah. Sorry, went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, but that is a great point. I mean, I never mm. looked at kind of centering your experiences or your voice as uh, overcoming any barrier or the danger mm. whenever you're, especially within the arts world. So it is interesting that you bring that up. Uh, and I'm wondering if you would associate kind of the value of the artwork in terms of how dangerous it might have been for the artist to put it out there, correlation between the two. Yeah, maybe, and maybe the value is not necessarily monetary, but it's about how rare it is. Because I think value is not, I think we're going to an age of which, where value is beyond a member figure or a crypto figure, but it's about um, scarcity. And so I bring that up because if creating something required so much out of that person, that experience of the first time a boxer fights, that's probably going to be like maybe one of the scariest moments of his life. And then you get used to it until there's another big thing that demands a change. So that first seminal work, it's more than just the image, it's about what was at stake. And that is a scarcity thing. And so it's hard to describe, but for example, a big art inspiration of mine, her name is um, Hilma Afklimt, and she's a painter. And she specified that some of her work shouldn't be shown until after she dies. So I think that's so valuable, but she knew the value of that was beyond money, it was about the message and the spiritual essence of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, I've followed you on Instagram for quite some time and I've just seen you really engage with poetry, mm-hmm. kind of fashion, uh, whether it be dance. So I'm just wondering how all of these different artistic disciplines, how they merge into one, how they have been translating to painting for you, because it is very interesting. I mean, some of the texts that you are reading and sharing, they also tend to be very dense, right? Uh, the theories that are being explored. How are you digesting? deconstruct everything that you're consuming yourself and bring it to a new language in terms of painting oh I don't know <laughs> I don't have the answers it's basically the easiest way to say that uh, I know that I'm interested in these different pots like you know architecture art fashion poetry philosophy beauty and culture the sweet spot is somewhere about where, where I'm at right now I don't know basically is what I'm trying to say but I know that I am creating and whatever I'm making is going to be infused with these inspirations I did spend some time and I still do like trying like think my way through that answer and think oh how can it be what's the solution going to be how can I and then I just kind of get confused and I think the best way to do it is just to kind of create and keep on creating until I've got the thing that I'm like and now this is the epitome of all of those interests. I'm not there right now, but I think if I, I have to find that answer through creating rather than through my brain. Um, but I am very interested in the idea of the Renaissance 
character. Like we have the, the Renaissance man is what we would say it, but I'm pretty sure now it's time for Renaissance woman. Like, you know, bridging art and science and bridging these different things and being a polymath is something that I'm very, very, very interested in. And so I don't see why, why we can't go back to the idea of fashion, painting, art. I just don't know how it's going to be yet. But I think the fact that I get to even have this question is such a privilege. Like, I, I know that that's a privilege I get, that I get to explore this. Mm-hmm. And are there any artists, perhaps in this field of Renaissance, that you're uh, describing that you look up to? Yeah, I mean, Virgil and he passed away. He was a great inspiration of mine. Not necessarily because of the those that he created, but the, the idea behind it was, you know, he studied architecture, then engineering. Then he went and created a fashion label. His first fashion label didn't wasn't successful, Perspex. And then it was only after we collaborated with Kanye. And then his trajectory, the way that when Virgil was raising and climbing that ladder of success, he was always pulling a hand down bringing up people with him, like, you know, Ryan Hawaii. He kind of was always stretching a hand out to other artists. And I loved when Virgil, he would do like lectures at Harvard about architecture and then incorporate his design philosophy in it. And then he'd be at front row with other culture icons. For me, I'm super interested in that because that's how we speak to our generation right now is through culture. I'm reading these dense, heavy books and whatnot, but I pretty aware that that's not going to be the way that I get to speak to my generation. It's probably going to be more likely through how we consume entertainment through Netflix, through TikTok, through fashion. And so when Virgil, he would talk about the purists and the tourists. So in that space, you know, if we're going to an art gallery, the purists would be, maybe they'd go to France, they go to Paris, and the purists would go to a very specific niche art studio house that you know was one room and very small and only the critic from the guardian would know about the tourists would go to paris and go to the louvre and they'd want to see mona lisa and so he was like no i'm interested in dancing between the purist and the tourist and then bringing that into the world and that's where i align also i'm really interested in how we can use culture mass culture but also very niche specific culture and bring that into the world. It directly goes, I mean, goes hand in hand with how we can make arts more accessible. Mm. We don't have an artistic background, right? So for example, I will be going with my sister um, to the museum and the ways that we interpret artworks is completely different as well. So how can we bridge, uh, not necessarily even bridge that, the conversations or dialogue between the creatives and non-creatives, but it's like, how can we make sure that all of these ideas are being included in terms mm. of the artistic scene? I love that you mentioned that because that's one of my favorite things that when I go to an exhibition one of the things that I do is I love watching people watch art and what draws them to a specific thing what makes them want to lie down what, what makes them want to go close and go further away what makes them their eyes light up like I'm really interested in observing people watching art because I think that you can learn as much from that as well you can orchestrate that whole experience it's really fun Moving on, uh, Karima, in terms of how you get your work seen today, as of course times are shifting, everything has been moved to more digital space. I know that you do engage with the millennial Gen Z audience. So kind of what advice would you also give to emerging youth artivists who are looking to gain that visibility today? 
<laughs> oh, again, like I don't really have the answers. Baby steps, I think, is like really important. I think it's too easy to like look out above and just see followers or see big brands or see the big things and think that that's like, the next step. Whereas really, the next step will be create the artwork or create the thing or play, build up a consistent practice and make the practice the goal rather than the like the number of likes or the name and eventually if you keep on walking that journey it will come out I kind of get frustrated and I'm frustrated myself even saying that because it sounds very fluffy and actually like the practical things like if I said if I sat someone down and, and said this is what I've done to to get to where I'm at right now I could probably reel off very practical things in terms of applying to residencies find residencies that you can apply to, find opportunities, find bursary programs online, find mentorship programs online, find maybe five artists that you admire and just track their journey and track what their output is. Very practical things in the sense of make sure that you have your thing in eyesight all the time. So if you're a musician, make sure your guitar is always there so you're reminded of it. Or if you're a writer, make sure that your journal's out. It's like very small things, but it's about what I'm finding is really important to me is like this daily practices and the daily things of like, if I've done some writing every day, if I've done some painting, if I've done some learning, if I've done meditation, it stacks up. Yeah, that's really good advice. Thank you for gold to stay consistent just in terms of creating as well. Mm. And I think definitely art in itself is a privilege, right? Being able to create. So. Yeah, but I want to talk about that because I think that's also a bit of a lie that we've been told is that, yes, creating is a privilege. I think to create a livelihood from art is a privilege. But I think to create is a necessity, actually. And I used to think that. I used to think, oh, it's it's only for the people that are born into money or they're born into a creative family or that the X, Y, and Z can be create, can have that life. And I agree. I think that to make a living off creativity is such a privilege. But I think to have creativity as part of your life is actually not a privilege. I think it's a necessity. And I think the world would benefit a lot in terms of mental health, in terms of thriving, in terms of being able to take on heavier life experiences, having an outlet where you alchemize and you turn that pain or turn suffering or turn joy into something. There's a reason why I think all kids are born creative. Like I think it's like a very human instinctual thing. And I think sometimes when we put creativity into the bracket of only being a livelihood then it neglects people from like just being creative as a hobby you know like and i think that that's so important it could be so helpful for our mental health to have a practice where we can just get into the flow and zone out from things it's definitely a privilege but i think it goes hand in hand with with living i think creativity is as much living as um, anything else and i think obviously safety is number one if you know having a home having been in a safe environment but creativity is as important as physical health i know that's like quite a life statement but i really think that it's so important 
for sure. I mean, there's a boom of art and mindfulness workshops or mm. eight nights, all the social activities that people are integrating <laughs> within, right? So research mm. has suggested the benefits uh, of just creating mm. and producing art in whatever format that may look like. Yeah, lastly, Karima, I'm just wanting to know if there's, there are any exciting projects you're working on, special commissions, or if you ever plan to come visit Toronto anytime soon. <laughs> oh, I would love to visit Toronto. Such a good place. The people are really good. There's a nice creative scene there. I really love it. So hopefully. Um, I'm working on a 12-month-long project at the moment called The Gold Print, which is where I'm compiling like an artwork with a message for the month and the time that we're in and every month I'm releasing a new gold print and basically it's called the gold print because it's printed on a liner block with gold ink and um, each one is paired the physical one is paired to the digital one as an NFT but it's more about going back to the Strangers Yearbook I think one of my skills is being able to tap into the energy of where we're at in the world and I can see that this is a really important time in terms of like old systems dying and new systems being born and so within each artwork there's kind of symbolism and and words about laying the new gold print for this new earth and what does the new earth look like so each month i'm kind of releasing a new one and i think they're much more related to my spiritual side and my faith side so that's something i'm working on that i can share with you yeah and when do you think the next print will come out? Social media? Yeah, so uh, yeah, on Instagram and Super Rare um, and talking about it on Twitter and I've, I'm currently cutting February's block probably within the next three days it will come out but every month I've got a really I'm releasing one so yeah awesome that's really exciting <laughs> just so grateful to have you share a little bit about your artistic practice and just your voice thank you Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget to share the story with friends and family and loved ones. And don't forget to connect with us online at Arcat Initiative. See you soon.